Welcome to another episode of Above Board with a Kendapath. Today is a special day. It is a day like no other day, a day that we all will remember forever because the three of us are reunited and it feels so good. How are you guys? Amen, brother. I'm trying to look back and see the last time the three of us did this. It's been a minute. It's hard. It's been a it's minute. All of our schedules and summer, I think, was the biggest interrupter of it. You know, everyone kind of being everywhere and vacationing. Uh, it was a very unusual schedule. Well, these last I mean, let's just, days. it was everyone being everywhere and you vacationing. I think, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> three, no, I was going to say like three or four weeks ago, like the kids are in the background screaming on the last podcast. And I was like, yeah. Rich, can you hear that? And he's like, every word. Every I was word. like, oh no. Hey, it was a weekend. What are you going to do? Well, I'm so glad the three of us are together today. We've got um, kind of a really Kind of, I don't know. It's it's a it's a topic that's very very special. It's I, I think it's a, a topic that I think is going to touch a lot of people's lives, and and generally we're talking about navigating life with an aging parent, um, and certainly, you know, like I always love to say, relate and don't compare. Maybe it's for you. It's not a parent. It could be a grandparent. It could be an aunt and uncle. It could be just a very near and dear friend, somebody that you're very close with. Um, whoever you call family, what do they always say? You know, family isn't always blood related, right? But we're, we're using the term parent to just kind of encapsulate uh, somebody that's meaningful in our lives that perhaps at some point in life took care of us. And then we are faced with taking care of them. And, and you know, it's interesting because because of the three of us, my background is um, my background is in healthcare. And so, of course, um, John and Matt's bath background is finance. And these two things are very, very closely tied together, especially when you're dealing with an aging parent or an aging loved one. So I'll kind of, I'm going to just pass the ball right away to you both. Would you all say that this is, oh, wait, can I do a quick shameless plug? Well, let's do that. Yeah. Let's, this is a heavy conversation. Let's lighten, let's lighten the load. Let's right start off it off. Here. So my new book just came out. Look, this is it. Yeah, boys. baby. This is it. So I haven't seen it yet, Rich. This is the why don't first I have a copy? I bought it. Yeah. I literally bought a copy of it. Because it's sold it. out. That's why. Is that, so is that for real? The only reason I have wow, this copy is that I just came back from the launch conference. And so I literally have one copy. So this is my copy. So it's it's a hell dibs. It's a hefty tome, but um inspired excellence. So if any of you all I'm gonna try to line up the ring light with the circle in the middle. But um, if any Ooh, of looks you, like it's glowing. I know if any of you are in like healthcare, healthcare leadership, or know anybody that's in healthcare leadership, this is for you. This book is really specifically for healthcare leadership, but um, also a lot of the advice and bits and pieces are are good for anybody in leadership. Yeah, my book Inspired Excellence is out at a bookstore near you, as if there was a bookstore near you, but there is. It's called Amazon. So yeah, search my name. Rich Baluni, B L U N I, or and I've done I've done all the I I actually have the audible. So you let me speak, and I did. Is that correct? Am I doing? Oh, the did you make for you? an? Did you for real make an audible out of it? No, like, did you it read just it? came out. Like I'm gonna do it a week ago, but I'm gonna do it in like a weird voice the entire way. It's 360 it? pages. It's like gonna Yoda. take. You hear my voice? I've been speaking a lot. So <laughs> if you could read 360 pages like Yoda, that would be fantastic. <laughs> so today, yes, mm, inspired excellence it is. Well, anyway, shameless plug out of the way. Uh, thank you. Thank you for allowing me that. I, I want to kind of um, pass it on to you all. Would you say that a big part of the work that you all do in uh, financial planning and advising 
that that a lot of it deals with either I know your clients some are obviously retirees but are you also working a lot with this situation where there's an aging parent an aging loved one um, and you're either working with them their family or both and and what what are some of the important salient things that you'd want people to know because this is something that I honestly think touches everybody's life at some point yeah it really does rich it's um it's a big part of what John and I do on a daily basis, especially with our client base aging. And, you know, every, you know, when we started our practice, our clients were maybe in their fifties mm. and that was 20 years ago uh, when we both started in the industry, 15, 20 years ago, something like that. And now they're, you know, 65 or 70 and, and some were older when we started and, and now they're in their eighties and nineties. And we've seen some of that generational wealth pass along. So we have a vast experience in this area and, you know, there's just the first step, I think, is recognizing the sign, right? Ne- recognizing the sign for an aging parent that, hey, we're going to have to take a little bit more active role, us being the child or or, or uh, person who's going to be caring for that aging parent, you know, starting to recognize the sign that help is help is needed, um, you know, and that might be, uh, you know, starting to realize there's memory problems or in the case of finance, unusual purchases or, or bills not getting paid and you know they have enough money to pay the bills. And starting to look for some of those small signs to then start to have a much bigger conversation. Would you agree those are some of the bi- first ones that we look at, John? Yeah, we have a big responsibility and also kind of monitoring for those signs as well and then communicating with whoever those clients of ours appoint as their trusted point of contact or power of attorney, all that. We'll talk about that stuff in a little bit. I actually just met with uh, folks that are in their uh, late 60s earlier this week, um, new clients coming on. And and the whole conversation, you would think it would be investments and stocks and bonds and all that. The entire conversation was about uh, succession planning for his company and making sure that his family's in the know of the decisions that they're making. And it was really, it was interesting because I've had this situation where sometimes clients are very private. Yeah. So they don't want to talk to their children about their money stuff. They don't want to talk to their children about their comp- their business or or what their wishes are for how money's going to flow. And I'm really big in leaning into communication of, I, I get that we don't want to talk about this stuff, but let's think through these things now while this is not a problem, as morbid as that sounds, um, so that in the coming decades of life, we're not we're not having to we're not, we're not reacting. We can be proactive. So like Matt said, looking for those signs, but then what do we do once we start seeing those signs? Who's the, you know, how, how is the family going to handle that that type of situation? Are there multiple kids who might be the main kid in charge? It might be based on proximity or, or, you know, history, you know, which in your situation, you have a background in healthcare. I think it was pretty, it was uh, maybe easier for you. It's not the it's no, that is, that's the right word. Easier for you to kind of lean into that 100%. role for your mother, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. and so I, I think that th- those are probably some pretty, you know, just thinking about family dynamics, I'm just putting myself in two places at once. I'm picturing myself in all the situations I was in, because of course I was an, a nurse doing bedside care at some point, but even in my leadership life and administrative life, when I was a director of risk management and patient safety. So I was dealing with that other end of what you were dealing with, where I'm dealing with, you know, healthcare surrogacy and, um, you know, living wills. 
And watching the family dynamics, you have the one kid, you know, I'll just make this up and I'm sure this will mimic something you've seen. You have the one kid who seems to have everything together and they're very organized and they know exactly what's going to go on. You have the other kid who can't stop crying and just can't deal, just I can't deal with anything. And then you have the other kid who seems like you don't really trust them and you're wondering what they're up to. And so I'm not saying that, you know, your clients have families like this, but family dynamics being what family dynamics are, is probably pretty tricky for you. I mean, I think about your world and I think about that old saying that nothing is for sure except for death and taxes. And you deal with both yeah. of those quite a bit and often at the same time. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that because so this whole conversation is from the point of view of navigating life with an aging parent but I'm actually looking at it from the point of view of the, that person who's who's aging, like the, the client that comes to us that's in their 60s or 70s. And I, I had I had one instance where they said, I don't want to tell my kids anything about how the money's supposed to flow. When I die, I'm going to let them deal with that. That's That's for them to figure out. And I said, well, that's like, I get that point of view because that's conflict. That's awkward conversation. That's hard conversation to have now while you're of sound mind and body and you can ha have those conversations, I would argue that it's very important to do that it's because you care about your family. You don't want to create problems later on. And unfortunately, money within family can create a lot of problems. So yeah. looking at it from like the point of view of the person who's maybe in their 60s or 70s doing this type of planning, I think communication is really important even to say like, I mean, I've, I've seen families squabble over like family heirlooms. Like yeah. it's not even like dollar, like it's, it's why, why did so-and-so get this thing? And I didn't get that jewelry, but I got this old dusty painting. I didn't want. I have, I, like, well, I know people who aren't talking to each other siblings because of a pen because their dad's pen. And, and whose wow. who's fault is that? You know, like ultimately yeah. I think it is the sibling's fault for sure for making a petty case over it. But at the end of the day, the parent is the one that probably should have made that decision. And like, like you said, John made it clear to everybody. I think a lot of the family squabbles could be put out if you were honest and open yeah, and communicate in some way that, Hey, this is what my intentions are. And even if you don't want to necessarily uh, show them, sh show uh, you being the parent, not want to show the, the family, your, your finances, there are some very powerful pieces of estate planning documents that can be put into place Let's spell a lot of this out in writing as opposed to making everyone try to figure out the pieces after you're gone. Yeah. yeah. Or you're no longer able to make these decisions yourself uh, and you're not yourself anymore. And now everyone's trying to figure out what your wishes were. Having this done ahead of time and again, starting this conversation early, I think is probably the most critical element of dealing with an aging parent. And it probably, well, starting, helped, probably puts you guys. I hope to, to. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I helped a client navigate that conversation because she said, like, I don't want to have that discussion with my kids. And I said, listen, this, it might even be as simple as I get, I, I get you might not understand that this is how I want the money to flow, but I need you to hear it from me. And I just need you to know that these were my wishes. You, you might not like it, but I want you to be able to accept it and, and for us as a family to move on from it. Because all you're really doing is kicking the can down the road in 10, 20, 30 years when the thing happens and then then they're on an all out battle. They're squabbling over these. Things. I'm always so, picturing again, looking at it from the POV of the, yeah. of the aging person, but I'm always picturing yeah. I'm right now. And, and I want to jump to Matt to, uh, to ask him some, some granular things, but I'm always picturing those old movies. Do you remember like where it, it's like the scene where the family, 
they're all like a rich family and they're all sitting in the lawyer's office and the lawyer goes, today we have the reading of the will and everyone leans in. And like you, it, the, the gist of it is it is nobody knows what's about to happen. And I guess that was a very old school way of doing things where yeah, you yeah. found out afterwards, I leave everything to John. But Matt gets nothing because I've always been ashamed of him. <laughs> it's like these or they like record a video of the person saying it while they were alive. They pop it in the VHS player, and then the person who passed away is reading their wishes to them. Have you ever seen that in a movie? I just love how you. That's I'm like, man, I that's appreciate a, what a mental. You just weird. used old movie examples and then had to throw VHS. What I was thinking, like 1930s and 40s. But okay, John. Yes, it could well, be VHS. Let's be real. That's pretty old. That school. is old now. Do you still have a, who has raise your hand VHS player? Do you still have one? Of course. I had to borrow it from my mother wow. and father-in-law because we have VHSs that we want to convert. But I want to see what's on them before I pay nine bucks for each one of them to have just, uh, you know, an eight-hour recording or actually probably only be two-hour recording of like just trees. And I, so I want to see what's in each one of these before I, want the back I send story. them off. I want the back so you're gonna, you're gonna like You're going to watch like a four-hour VHS to well, see if it's forward through them. There's this thing called remote control. Dollars. John, there's a remote control and you can like hit a button and you can I don't see know how it worked back in the 70s. When oh, you were it was wired. It was a wired remote control. That was control. me. I was the remote control. My dad would go, hey, go put on channel 10. So Matt, <laughs> yeah. recognizing the signs, I can appreciate that as a healthcare worker because I think a lot of times we miss those. I saw that in my in-law's life. My father-in-law who passed away a number of years ago um, had Alzheimer's and I I can remember the difficult conversations, not as much with him, but with my mother-in-law. Um, you know, I remember her really pushing back on us saying he can't drive and literally bless her. Cause she listened, she took him to Florida highway patrol and they do driving tests apparently. And he passed the driving test phenomenally well on Monday, on Tuesday, he got lost driving from the golf course to his house, which was 10 blocks away. So even though he patented, she was, it was all kind of like, see, I told you he was fine. And then the next day, literally we had like the wake up call moment where we were like, he got, he had to call you and said, I don't know where I am. So I, I remember even in my own life, how there was denial, there was fear, there was all these different things. So I really appreciate that you're starting with that because I think that's also very compassionate, but I can imagine for there's going to be people who are going to deny it and say, no, 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 you know, dad is fine. Mom is fine. But also mom and dad might be like, I'm fine. Like, I don't know why you think I can't. I, re I remember everything fine. What do you, you know, I, I've seen that happen. I saw it with my own mom as well. So after you, let's just, let's just jump ahead um, because you're not psychologist. So let's say that the signs have been recognized among the family members. There is a good deal of agreement um, between the the family and the parent that, hey, you know, I want to make sure that I have some help. Some of this is a little overwhelming to me. What are some of the things that right away, like you notice this on Monday, what do you want to have done by Friday? What do you want to have done by the next week? And what do you want to have done by the end of the month? Yeah. And I'll take my personal um, uh, uh, situation and bring it to when my father, uh, we've all talked about this on numerous podcasts. We all lost our fathers uh, fairly young in our lives. Um, but my situation was sort of unique. My dad was fine. He was, he was not, um, going through any illness or disease that I, that we were aware of. Um, and he collapsed. Um, and he was, he was in, we're in Orlando. He was in Las Vegas. Um, uh, and so I flew out there. Uh, he was taken to a hospital, collapsed, you know, Hey, what's going on, dad? How did you, what, you know, what's going on? They do a brain scan. They realize that he has a very advanced brain tumor. Uh, right then and there, the doctor said, 
hey, there is nothing we can do. Take him back home, make him comfortable. Wow. His life is is coming to an end very briefly. So this wasn't a long, prolonged process or an Alzheimer's situation. From the hospital, we went the the next stop was he he was in the military. We had access to to military legal services, was literally to Nellis Air Force Base. Wow. Into the legal department there. So I mean, still has the hospital wristband on. And I took him immediately over there and had a will drawn up. A durable power of attorney drawn up, healthcare surrogate, because we didn't have any of those things. Um, I was still early in my career and my dad's going to be fine and he's fairly young in, in, in his phase of life, was literally the next stop. Wow. And we had everything drawn up. They had a signing randomly that day. And I think all of these stars aligned. They had a signing because they do mass signings for their wills and their trusts. He sat in a room with 12 other people, right hand up. There was a whole legal proceeding to, to actually have the will executed. And from there, we went to the, uh, we, we drove back to Orlando. So using that as my journey, um, I believe the first thing that needs to happen is a financial inventory. And that really involves first and foremost, the legal documents, making sure that everything is in place. Because one of the big things about durable power of attorney, and I'm not an attorney, none of us are, and I don't want to speak out of turn on the legal side, but in order to sign some of these documents, you have to be of sound body and mind. Mm. And in the case for my father, uh, I said, I'd like a durable power of attorney. And they said, okay, I, I didn't, this wasn't an established relationship with an attorney. It was a military, it was an, isn't on, on the military base. And they said, we're actually going to have you step out of this room and we want to ask your dad a few questions. Wow. Well, good. as this brain tumor was progressing very, very rapidly, he knew where he was most of the time, but there was obviously some spots there. And they asked him some of these questions. What is today's date? Who's the president of the United States? Um, who is this person to you? And by the grace of God, he answered all those questions correctly. But had he not, it would have seemed like, hey, this guy, you know, this right. supposed son is taking his father to have all of these legal documents drafted immediately and it could be taking advantage of him. So again, going back to the very beginning of this is starting as early as possible is great. But having this financial inventory, getting all of these legal documents set up while they still have sound body and mind are absolutely critical because if not, it is a completely different process for establishing a guardianship or, or, cons- or cons- uh, conservation for them if if you don't have this this done with, with sound body. You just mind. brought something up. I just want to interject something really quick because when you made the comment about none of us being attorneys, do you guys find yourselves in situations, maybe not like the one you just described exactly, but are there situations, especially for you know the people that are financial planners that are listening to this, but also for people that are considering this as well, do you guys usually recommend that someone gets the services of an attorney or gets a legal counsel involved to, to create these things? We do. It, and it's it's over the years, I think it's become less and less complicated and more affordable mm-hmm. to ensure that you have these legal documents uh, created for yourself. I think anecdotally in most meetings, we end up, even though we're not attorneys, we end up talking through this, sharing stories about, I think my job is to, is to get somebody, to, to get them a, a compelling reason to know this is why you need to do it. Right. I get it. You know, you're 60 years old now and you don't feel like it it's maybe important right now, but at some point, inevitably something happens to all of us. Yeah. You know, we, we all have an expiration date. And so making sure you've got your wishes written out when you're of sound mind is so crucial and so not fun. It's just not fun. I mean, that that's part of, I, I would argue that it's probably 80% of the reason why people defer it, don't do it. 
it's not because they can't afford it or they don't know how to do it or they don't have someone that you know an it's attorney scary it's it. their mortality yeah. it's it's frightening yeah. and to even think about it and i think that you know you're you you guys are playing lots of roles you're a friend you're a financial advisor you're doing some legal in a way you're also a psychologist and you have to deal with all the different dynamics. And so with Matt's example, you know, you're on this base, you get the, the power of attorney, you get the will done. Um, so th those things are super important. So that, that kind of covers that. What about if I could, is there a component at this point? Again, we're, we're making the assumption we've gotten through the hurdles. I mean, because we, we could do a whole podcast on family dynamics. That would be fun. But you've gotten through all these hurdles. You know, you have a 90-year-old mom who's been pretty independent, but, you know, she's got whether it's, you know, electric bills or whatever. Do you get involved? Do you think it's important with an aging parent to be able to help them with budget and bills, especially, you know, you have to have that conversation if they've been doing this on their own. Is that another area that you say we would, you know, sort of tread into? I'll definitely, I think I'd like to hear Matt's answer on that. But what I will say in specific to what you just shared, because this is all, this whole podcast is from the point of view of the person that's, yes, that's has life with this aging parent. I think going to them at some point, if they haven't come to you yet to say, Hey, we have all these documents, maybe going to them and saying, Hey, mom or dad, do, do we have some type of written legal document? I don't need a copy of it. I just need to know right now that that's something you guys have put in place. Maybe broaching that conversation with them as awkward as it, as it can be to be a motivator to explain to them. And this whole podcast is a motivator to explain why that that's why that's important. But Matt, how would you answer the question about that? Yeah, I, I think, in, in, and I'm going to circle back for one second and then I'm going to answer Rich's question. But um, having those documents and, and maybe doing what I did with my father so that's step one of a many step process, yeah. right? Having those documents established, um, I think it's important to let your family know where you're keeping them. Because the common thing John and I hear all the time is, yeah, I, I have a I have a will, I have a trust that's in my safety deposit box and only I know where the key is. Oh. How does that help anybody? Wow. You've done, like you've done step one, but you didn't do steps two, three, and four, which was make it available for everyone to at least access, even if you're private and you don't want to have it, they have to know what that is. And the second, the third part to that is those documents are somewhat meaningless unless they're executed the proper way, right. specifically a trust. You have a trust established. It lays out all of your wishes yet. And we've seen this time. I just came across this uh, two weeks, uh, about a month ago, client paid $3,500 for a trust. Beautiful trust, well-written, spells out everything. It was it was exactly what we needed. Not a single account had been transferred into the name of the trust. If she had passed prior to us getting into the picture, that $3,500 piece of paper, you could have lit it on fire. It was meaningless Whoa. because nothing that was written, it was not done and it was not executed the proper way. So incredibly important. Um, I think, Rich, to, to come back to you, yes, I think with the advent of technology, um, making sure bills are on auto pay, um, keeping a close eye on debit, a card transactions and check transactions, right? Once money comes out of your checking account, it is incredibly hard to get it back. Yeah. So if a check is getting paid out, um, if debit card transactions are just being swiped, there's very little way to say, whoa, whoa, this was, you know, if it's on a credit card, there's maybe a way if someone's being taken advantage of to have some protections, but there's very little around that. Um, and then I think using some of what we've talked about in establishing 
a relationship if they have an advisor, a financial advisor, a certified financial planner, or a fiduciary is is um, is for the, the person who's dealing with the aging parent is to establish a relationship with that person. Even if they're not going to be, even if they're not, you're not the biggest fan of them or they're, you're going to switch things up once you, once you get into the picture uh, a little bit deeper, but there should be an advisor, a part of this. Um, and we, we advocate for having advisors um, uh, to be able to, to say, Hey, when, when things start to mom and dad start to not make sense or, or things are not looking right, I need you to be able to let us know when we need to step into that picture. And, and any good advisor should, should uh, embrace that and, and with the permission of the parents, and that's a whole written process or the power of attorney comes into play, um, is, is to make sure that, that everyone is privy to what is happening in their financial well, life. You know, you brought up something when you brought up the debit card transactions. Are, are, do, you, do you all advocate for there to be some kind of, especially in this kind of situation, that there's some kind of fraud alert system or program or is that something that you ever do is you know I, I well i guess banks kind of do that where you can have alerts like this has been happening but or you could put limits on the debit card up to a certain amount but is there anything that you recommend that people put in place especially if we're specifically talking about mom and dad who are like they have one foot in independence and they have one foot in you know, they're forgetting things or maybe making some choices that maybe they wouldn't have normally made. Do you ever recommend anything like that? I think as the consumer helping them out, it's really easy to use technology these days. And, you know, if you're, let's say you're monitoring a debit account or a checking account, you can set rules so that purchases over this amount, not that you have to approve them, but it'll send you an alert. Got it. So beyond just manually going in there and looking at it once a month, you know, you can you can have alerts set if it's over certain amounts or, or if it's transactions that are outside the norm, it, it can notify you. And there's a ton of free tools out there too to monitor um, fraud, like your your credit. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So fraud, fraudulent stuff like you know monitoring if a credit card is opened under your name. That's like the weird stuff that. Well, and that happens you know, a lot to the to... elderly, right? Because a lot of times oh, the yeah. elderly are victims of these phishing scams and these phone calls. Like, you know, this is the Social Security, you know, administration. If you don't give me your phone, and your the FBI is coming to arrest you. I mean, they predominantly. Um, so that's a, that's that's a good thing to know. Do you you know I did something when my mom um, before my mom passed, and um, I wish I would have run it past you all before I did it. Um, we. My mom added my wife and I as on her checking account and her savings account. Now, I have to tell you that my experience was it made it a lot easier to deal with certain things because when we had to pay bills or we did everything on auto pay and all that stuff. But after my mom passed, the monies that were in her savings slash checking account, it was just as if it was my account. So it was no big deal. But Matt, I, I know afterwards... Oh gosh, and I wish I would have talked to you about this, but um, y- you might not maybe advocate to do that. Is there a, maybe there's a better way? Yeah, you know, I, I think um, John and I see sometimes the worst case, and and so where where my head goes at times is if your mom or if a person puts someone else in the checking account, they have full access to that account. Um, and now you you uh, have a very good head on your shoulder, so I don't think that was necessarily the case. But there are some tax implications. Uh, for her gifting you one half of that account, uh, which is essentially what occurred. Um, also, if there is an investment account involved, there are some advantages uh, for uh, passing on an investment account after you have died mm. rather than doing it before. And there, there's it's probably going to go way beyond our discussion today. But 
I, I really do advocate. Uh, and last bit is what if um, you two were driving in a car and smacked in and had a horrible accident and were being sued? that you now own half of that account, right? So again, this gets a little more into the legal side of it and we don't want to broach it too deep, but you can slowly start to see like that, that is half of your money. Mm. Um, if you were not a good person, you could have just said, Hey, I'm taking all of this today and, and had some, had some issues there. So I really do like using the tools that are meant for this, i.e. the durable power of attorney um, in the account, retitling it, maybe saying it is your mom's account with a transfer on death or a payable on death to, to, rich and and it would have accomplished the same goal that you were trying to achieve which is being able to control the account and being able to retain it after she passes but without having some of the liability involved with making a joint owner on, on that account uh, so again just small things and so much of our job that john and i can attest to is is making these very small what seeming to be not a big deal changes but at at over a long enough period of time do make a, a huge difference um and so, you know, just just a couple small tweaks. It's just best practices, I would think, is is the best headline to put that on. You know, it sounds like everything that you're talking about, um, whether you're talking about, you know, the bills being on auto pay, the debit card transactions, the living will, the healthcare surrogate, um, uh, fraud alerts, all of this really does sound like where it all begins and ends and in the middle is communication. It, it just sounds like what I'm when I'm reading between the lines of, of what you're saying is, you know, there's the, the conversation with the aging person. There's the conversation with whoever they want to be their, um, I don't know what the word is, advocate, surrogate, et cetera. The conversation between all of the parties, it just feels like it's, it's a very, just like, I mean, just like everything, right? Every relationship hinges on communication. In healthcare, the number one cause of um, adverse events, uh, medical errors, is a fall, a fall down, a problem with communication. The number one cause of divorce, believe it or not, which is interesting, flips, if you look at the statistics, between money and communication. It's kind of interesting. Like People fight over money and it leads to other things and people just don't communicate. Um, so it sounds like more communication rather than less and bringing in folks like you that can kind of have these conversations, know, know what you're doing. If it, would you agree with that? First of all, am I, am I oversimplifying it or do you think 100% it, it starts and ends there? Yeah. Do you real quick? I know I, I kind of am going to maybe be a, a, a little bit of a hypocrite, not hypocrite, but I might be going back in something that I said before. I know you're not psychologist. But this might be just helpful for anybody. Do you ever find yourself being in a situation? So I'll set up the scenario. I come in with my mom, who is already your client. Um, this is maybe the first, second time you've ever met me. I've called you and said, I'm a little worried about some things that she's done. You know, she made this odd purchase, uh, she forgot to pay her electric bill, whatever. Um, are you ever sitting there and maybe your your uh, I guess word is the right word, your role? is to kind of be the voice of reason in between the two, because I know that my mom looked at me as her child. So here I am now taking over her life. My mom was a unique person in that she did that very quickly and very willingly, and it was very, very seamless. But I would imagine there's some situations where it's where do you find yourself kind of playing that role as advocate slash 
advisor slash Jedi master slash kind of psychologist in that situation where you're the voice. You know, they always say 50 miles in a briefcase makes everybody an expert. I can say it to my mom, but when you say it, it comes out different. Do you see that maybe in, in a good way? I'm saying like that people can utilize you in that way to kind of be the door opener for this conversation. Well, it's funny because we're not certified to be psychologists or therapists or lawyers, but yet our unique um, relationship that we have with somebody being their financial planner places us in these really crucial conversations that we end up having with clients. And I have had scenarios exactly as you described it, where the adult child of the aging parent calls and calls, you know, requests a meeting. I've even had situations where we've had a, our conference room full, like an entire family. Really? And that was honestly very difficult oh. because everyone's got an opinion. You got a room of eight to 10 family members it it um i can't imagine being able to navigate that is 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 an interesting challenge and but we like that conversation and i think we're uniquely positioned to have it because of our role for the family that we serve yeah we 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 do we have such a a deep relationship with our clients i mean think about it we are told things by those clients in that room that they don't tell anybody else mm. who who else do they talk about money with who else do they talk about family issues and, and things that are important that we know about. I mean, we know so much about our clients and we care so much about them. Um, it, the clients for us are, um, are, are like extensions of family and we have such a deep love for our clients. So uh, it is at times sitting in that room, we know things that the, that the kid, the caretaker does not know. And, you know, we have to be very careful with the conversation to make sure we don't divulge something the client doesn't want us to talk about but also uh, protecting the client. And, and when we start to see maybe a cognitive decline or something like that, we have to be, we're, we're fiduciaries, right? We, we have a mm -hmm. standard to uphold to make sure we're doing what is best ultimately for the client. So yes, it is, it is difficult, but that's where we really try to, if we don't have a relationship with the caretaker or, or the child or the client, we, we as advisors really try to reach out as much as we can to say, hey, we would love to have you, assuming it's okay with mom and dad, we'd love to have you as part of our meeting. Mm. You need to zoom in because you're living Montana. That's fine. Um, but we want to share with you what's going on because I can't tell you, Rich, how many times we get the caretaker coming to us, having the aging parents already in a state of cognitive decline. And they say, Matt, we have a problem. Wow. And these, we, I, I mean, John and I have so many of these cases where we're now digging out of the hole. Mom and dad are still alive, but they've made some serious mistakes. And some of those mistakes are quite severe. The, the one that comes to mind uh, after, if you have an, a retirement account, um, assuming it's a traditional retirement account at either the age 72 and a half, which was the previous rule, it's now since moved to 72 and 73 and 74, is you must take money out of that account. And there was one situation where we were working with the kids of the parents, adult children, Mom and dad are, are going through cognitive decline. We don't think everything's going right. We want you to look at it. And I realized for the past four or five years, dad stopped taking money out of his IRA. Oh, gee. The penalty for that is 50% of what should have come out. What? Plus ordinary income tax. Are you kidding? We're talking hundreds of thousand dollars in penalties, not even what should have come out of the account. I mean, and so I get this pile left in front of me and I'm like, how do I have to figure this out now? Um, same situation mom predeceased dad and did not leave the IRA 
the beneficiary of the IRA to the right uh, person. Uh, left it to a trust instead of to an individual, and there's there there now yeah. the way nowadays trusts are written in such a way where that's acceptable, but this was not the case at the time, and we had a huge adverse tax consequences. So a real mess that just gets sometimes plopped in front of us, Rich. That it's we didn't have a chance to have the conversation. We didn't have a chance to, uh, you know, to prep this. We get we get dealt with. Here's the mess. How do you? How do we now unwind this? It, it feels. And, it, uh, it took. It, it must have taken a lot. It, it, it. I'm seeing such a weird. I never. You know, it's funny until this moment. I never realized the similarities between healthcare and financial planning because I'm thinking back as a nurse and also when I was basically the legal counsel for the hospital, not literally legal counsel, but I'm the risk manager. So I'm the frontline person dealing with the family and patients before maybe a lawyer might get involved. How many times I've been in rooms with a, a declining aging parent who's you know in a medical situation, I'm dealing with multiple family members. I've been in rooms with 15, 20 people where one time it got physical, where the siblings are literally fighting each other because one wants to discontinue life support, the other doesn't. This one's accusing this one of you just want their money. And it was the same situation, just it wasn't about, well, it was about money, but it was also about their health. So it's kind of interesting, the the comparisons, the, the overlap. For people, as we're wrapping this up, if you had to say, here's the candor path, here's the John and Matt checklist, here's the and if it's more than five or less than five, I just picked five because it's a it's a cute number and it's all the fingers on my hand. Um, if there was five things that you were like, hey, you listen to this podcast all the way to this point, you've got an aging parent, you're thinking to yourself, oh crap, I haven't done any of this stuff. What are the five things they need to do ASAP? Can I start? No. Yeah, you go first. Yeah, well, I'm curious. I want to know if our list is this. I don't want to say my list, but let's try to work through this together. Because we should didn't we say them at the this. same time and let's see if the <laughs> if the listener can decipher. What's yeah, happening. yeah. So the first one is three, two, one. Talk about recognize it. the signs. Oh, okay. Very similar. Okay. I, okay. I was going to say talk like proactively just talk about it with with your family, whether that's you as the one with the aging parent having to bring this to them or vice versa. But talk about it and then put it in writing, you know, creating like the estate plan or whatever. Those are my first two. Okay. You, so my, my first one, I'll reiterate in case someone really could not hear us talking to each other. Is recognize the sign, start the conversation early. And I'll go with number two and I won't go any further is um, the next is, again, I use our very basic financial planning model, which is inventory, the financial assets, inventory, the legal and the tax documents, so much can be derived from a tax return if it's read by a professional and they know what they're looking for. Uh, the legal documents, knowing where they are and can, being able to access those, and then taking an inventory of where all the financial pieces are just to know what is what is even out there. All right, you're so that's actually, one and two. You're actually right. The inventory would be number two. So talk about it and recognize it. Inventory or financial assets, number two. Then make sure you have it written down. Whatever these wishes are that you talk about and then you inventory the assets, you've got these written in some type of, of estate plan. So that's- right, go, with number, go with your number, go with your- That, th- oh, that, that is, is three. your three. That is All three. right, yeah. All right, my three then, my number three is established. <laughs> I want my own number right. three. I don't want your number three. Gonna, these, these listeners are gonna be like, what's number one, what's number two, what's number three? <laughs> it does, it's no order, go ahead. This is sometimes you put two financial advisors together. We're gonna do the, things like- That's why I asked the question. The same I thought you were agreeing with me and then you were gonna be like, okay, now here's number four, but you're saying yeah, no, so this is right, We'll leave your number three with writing it. I'm gonna go to number four then. And number four is for mom and dad, 
is establish a bill or establish a budget and simplify the billing process. Let's not have bills not getting paid with the advent of technology, the ability to have auto debits and things like that come out of checking accounts. The the bills should all get paid, uh, especially if they're on a fixed income, whether it's social security coming in, investment uh, uh, income coming in, a pension. We know when that's going to, we need to know when those deposits take place. And then we need to make sure all the necessarily bills get paid so that a policy doesn't lapse or something silly that just is overlooked. So establishing a budget and simplifying bills. That's a good number four. What's your number five? My number five is, and this is the ending one for me, is make changes gradual, right? Let's not change mom and dad's budget overnight. Let's not tell them they need to go get estate planning documents today and have all of this on one day. Mm. I think it's a very gradual process and it sort of full circles back to number one of start the conversation early. But then once you've had the conversation, don't change their life on day one, especially if if you're in a dementia situation or or there's some memory care, the last thing you want to do is upend their life on day one. So start this process, make it very gradual um, you can accelerate it. In my case, I had to accelerate it in some cases yeah. on my situation. I had dad do that will and six weeks later he died. So we didn't have years of let's plan for this. This was a very re- and that is part of life, right? Yeah. Sometimes diseases progress for many, many years, or sometimes it's very, very sudden. And so for me, it was, I, with the, with the urgency of that physician said, get your ducks in a row today. And guess what? We didn't have time to make it gradual, but we, we, did what we needed to do to make sure protections were put in place and that in my particular situation, he was going to be taken care of by me and we had all the documents we needed. So sometimes it is, you can have the gradual discussion. Sometimes you got to do a few of these things right, right up front. Another way that I'd like to, to say that would be just check in on it. So kind of tying one and five back together of the communication, like check in with mom and dad. So you're, you're highlighting a scenario of like this life-threatening, life-ending thing happens and there's a very short time cycle. But this could also be decades in the making. Like we might have this conversation in our mid to late 60s with mom and dad or mom or dad, but 10 years later, some of these things might change. Bills look different. Costs of things are different on the budget. Maybe their wishes have changed. Maybe their money situation has changed. Like so much can happen in in a 10-year time frame. So my number five would just be check in on it. If you guys started with good communication, let's just keep the good communication going. I love that. I'll summarize how I understand it as a lay person. Recognize. Oh, good. Someone needs to. <laughs> uh, <laughs> should we talk over you while you're doing yeah, it and do. say ours? All all three of us should say it at the same time. Exactly. Well, the whole reason I asked that question is because it was for my own entertainment so that I could just watch you guys go, well, my number one is that. Well, my number two is this. No, it's great. You guys said the same thing. You just said it in different ways. Recognize the signs. Make sure that you talk about it. Have communication. Communication is key throughout. Communication is the thread that holds all of this together. Inventory the assets and the tax documents. Make sure you know where the documents physically are and that you have access to all of this. Make sure that wishes are written and known to everybody. There's no secrets. The secrets, at least somebody has to know this. Um, Establish a budget simplify bill paying, the bill paying process, like potentially auto pay to make that simplify, have alerts put on accounts with something that you shared before. Um, Make changes gradually. I thought that was a really great one because this could be very overwhelming for people. And I think that if the the changes are made gradually, then you get 
I don't want to use the word compliance because maybe that's not the great, the best word, but you get buy-in, you get collaboration, let's say collaboration rather than compliance. And I love this check-in with them periodically because sure, the conversation you have at 65 might be different at 75. Maybe at 65, both parents are alive. Maybe at 75, you only have mom. Maybe things have changed. Maybe they don't own the house anymore. She's in a rental or she's in a townhouse. And at 83, she's in an ALF. So check in with them periodically and reassess everything where it is. Um, did I do a decent job as a moron of, of summarizing that? Um, no, you tied it all together beautifully. I just want to leave it with this. My mom passed away about a year and a half ago at, on her 91st birthday. And I have to say that everything that um, that that John and Matt just shared I, I, I'm reflecting on that whole period of time. And it was, you know, we, we had things set up beforehand, but it was kind of a mix, Matt, of what your story was. It was, we had a lot done in advance, knowing that, gosh, you know, how much longer would mom have, you know, it could be a year, it could be seven years, 10 years, who knows? She had longevity in her family. She had relatives that lived to be a hundred. Um, but then there was also that kind of like, oh gosh, this is happening now. And then everything was kind of within 10 days. And I have to tell you that one of my takeaways were that having some of this stuff already done, and we could have done, looking at your checklist, I realized there was probably like two things I could have done differently, but really we had a lot of this put in place. And what I just want to say to everybody listening is, especially if these are people that you love, when things are coming to the inevitable end as it will be for all of us. The last thing in the world you want to worry about is, is the electric bill paid. The last thing in the world you want to worry about is, oh my God, they forgot to you know take money out of their, 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 their fund and now they owe taxes. You want to have time to hold their hand. You want to have time to talk to them. You want to have time to grieve. You want to have time to love on them. You want to have that time to be not running back and forth to the bank and getting documents notarized. Yeah, that might happen, but the more you have done upfront for this stuff that's important and is legal and is financial and is practical, the more that that is taken care of, the more time you have for what really matters, which I'm thinking, Matt, even in your situation where your dad was not necessarily quote unquote aging, but because you had a lot of this stuff done and it was such a short period of time, it probably gave you just a little bit more time to spend with him. And at the end of the day, really, at least for most of us in this world, that's what really matters. This just puts all of the busy work and the hard stuff and the business stuff, it gets it out of the way so that you can really focus on getting those memories, saying those goodbyes, spending that time, loving on them making your peace with them if that's a situation. I mean, let me tell you from experience, once once that loved one takes their last breath, there's not much else to say. I mean, you could say it to them, you know, to their spirit, but you don't want to have that regret of I was so busy having to deal with all this legal crap, I just wish I would have told dad I love him. So, um mm-hmm. that's where I want to leave it if that's okay. This this stuff might sound very practical and cold and business, but the whole idea of it is much like I would do as a nurse where I would get all the nonsense out of the way when I knew the family was coming to say goodbye so they could just sit there with their parent and I could just be in the background to be supportive to them, to answer questions for them, but allow them that time. And and I don't know if maybe in some ways that's what you're 
That's what, that's your purpose. That's what you're doing. Beautiful. Yeah. I, I wish we had spent more. I feel like we need a part two because I wish we had spent more time on everything you just summarized. But, but the that's part perfect. one is so important because if you don't get the part yeah. one out of the way, then the part two, it never works. It never happens. And yeah. I'm, I'm just Good so point. grateful that I had folks like you in my life to help me clarify all of this because it made the last 10 days of my mom's life a time where I just spent taking care of her. And, and it was, it was very sacred for me. Um, and then we ran around and did all the bank stuff afterwards and that was when it needed to happen. So listen, thank you guys so much. This is a difficult conversation for many people. And what I think you guys did was just, um, clear it up and just help people just to see this is what you need to do and this is why and and it's it's simple it's really not that complicated people can literally maybe um don't rewind to the part where Matt and John were talking but just rewind to the part where I summarized their brilliance but it really yeah, is all you need. it really is what no just kidding really I, I i took look i took a whole like i took like two pages of notes just from this to share with some loved ones but thank you guys so much so um uh, any final words before I say our, our our farewells to our folks on on this podcast? I think you did a great you job a great wrapping job. it up. I yeah, no, you did a great job. No, thanks everybody. So listen, big virtual hugs, just, virtual hugs to just everybody. Wanna thank you guys all so much for being part of um, our above board with Candor Path journey. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please feel free to share this with people. Please feel free to comment. We are so grateful for you being here. We hope this was helpful to you. And if you are dealing with an aging parent or loved one, we wish you the best. And we know it's a tough thing, but don't worry, there's people out there to help you. So you guys have a great day. Thanks for being here. Till the next one.